0: Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, good morning, Crossroads, and welcome back to week Number two of life on mission. And if uh, you remember last week, I said there's three things I challenge everyone to take to heart as part of this series. And and the first one was this, to be here. And so congratulations, you're here today. Um, Thank you for those who've come back. If this is your first time uh, being here, and I would challenge you as well to be here for this entire series. So there's three more weeks. That's easy to do three more weeks, but what's really important is this uh, message series is a foundational series for all followers of Christ. It's important that we understand why are we here on earth? Why didn't God just take us to heaven as soon as we uh, were saved? And so what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is share that with you all right, and, and it helps if you're here to, to get that message. Those of you that are watching online, I hope that you as well uh, tune in each week. I hope that you watch this message uh, more than one time so that you get everything that God is trying to say to you. Well, number two. Um, it's to be involved. And ladies, you took up, the, uh, the mantle was dropped and you picked it up and you, you met us already in just a couple of weeks. You caught up with the men. Uh, we actually had uh, 20 uh, men and 20 ladies um, in each of those groups. That was incredible. We had over 60 in life groups this week. And, and here's what I want you to understand, church, is that life groups is where it's at. You know we love that you're here on Sunday mornings, and but one of the things that you're going to find out is that um, Sunday morning is just a snippet in time, and the people that you're sitting beside, in front of, or behind, um, you'll rarely get to know them at any kind of deep level. But when you go into a life group, what you find out is you find out that you're not the only person struggling. You're not the only person with doubts. You're not the only person that has questions. And there, in, in the military, we had this saying, and that is misery loves company, all right? And in a life group, what it does, it allows us with those, those fears that we have to, to realize that we're not alone, that there's other people. And, and what's even more incredible is there's people who've been there, done that, they've got the t-shirt, and they can help us get through those same challenges. And I just want you to know that there is a life group meeting at a time that should suit you. Uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock and I think 6 o'clock, we have our junior high and high school meeting here in, in, at church. Um, on Monday at 1 o'clock, we've got a phenomenal group that uh, meets. Then at 7 o'clock, the men. On Tuesdays, um, we have the ladies meeting at 6.30. Is that right? All right. And, uh, and then on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, uh, we uh, have another group that meets in here. If none of those times and locations work for you, I would challenge you to start A Life Group. We've got the um, Going Deeper uh, Bible Study questions. They'll be available as you're walking out. You'll see those on the tables in the foyer. And I would encourage you, grab those. Um, Moms and dads, grab those and go through those questions with your uh, kids over a dinner or a lunch uh, sometime during this week. Because what you'll find out is it's not just what happens here in the next 40 minutes. What's important is what do we do with what happened here on Sunday morning? And then the last thing is, I challenge you to be open. I gave you that illustration of, you know, how you uh, just pound on the uh, a steak to get it tender. Well, we have to let our hearts get tender. And you know, one of the easiest ways for us to do that is just to let down our guard. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just lead us in prayer. And I would challenge you as I'm praying, if that applies to you, say, God, that, yep, that's me. You know, help me right there. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we are just excited, God, that we get to lift up the name of Jesus. And Lord, we want to represent you well. And so, God, I ask that you would just be with all of those that are here this morning. Lord, those that have come in with heavy anxiety, God, I pray that they would just release that and and they would fall back on Scripture that says, give all of our fears to you. Lord, those who are in a relationship struggle, God, I pray that you would show them that the most important relationship that they can be in is one with you. And Lord, that that if they would get that focus right, I, I don't understand how, but Lord, it takes care of those other relationships. God, maybe someone is in here today and they've gotten uh, tragic news from the doctor, or or they think they're going to get tragic news this week when they go and see the doctor, and God, I just I lift them up, and God, I... Ask that they would take upon themselves your burden. Lord, it's easy. Give them comfort. We ask your Holy Spirit just to uh, speak to every one of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, Life on Mission is all about this. It's God's people finding God's heart for the world. You know, that's us, God's people. And and wouldn't it be nice to know what does God want us to do when it comes to the people that we pass by every day, whether it's um, at Walmart, whether it's uh, going through a drive-thru, whether it's where you work, what is it that God wants you to do? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Matter of fact, it's a, great question to ask. And that's what we need to be aware of as followers of Christ. What is it that God wants us to do? Well, I can tell you it's this. It's two words, all right? Everyone say it, two words. Come on, this is easy. The two words are shake and shine. Come on, that's easy to remember, right? God wants us to shake and shine. Look at the person beside you and say it, shake and shine. All right, everybody do it. I saw half of you do it. Everybody shake and shine. All right, so so let me go to, I I promise you, it's in the Bible. All right, Uh, it's in the Bible. And if you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read a couple verses to you. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 13 and 14, God's word says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how? shall it be, its saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. But you know, the reality is this, that um, as, as powerful as God's word is there, many times we let our saltiness be removed. Many times we let our light be hidden. And that's what life on mission is all about, is that we learn to shake. We learn to get that that saltiness back. We learn to uh, take the bushel away and let the people see our light, because that's why we're here. That's what God wants us to do. That's where he wants us to focus. But there's a big indictment on us sometimes, and that is this, that instead of shaking and shining, what happens in the churches. Two different words. And those two different words are huddle and hide. You know, I think we do this for the best intentions. You know, we want to get into the church and we want to get into God's word and we want to be the best Christ follower possible. But yet what happens? Sometimes we forget about outside these walls. We forget about the people that we pass each day. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in the grocery store. And and if we don't watch out, we'll start huddling and hiding. I think of a church who had a a great ideal, and and that was they built a, their their church was located um, very close to uh, a residential area, and they built a um, basketball court. Phenomenal ideal, but here's, they missed the mark. Because they, um, after Sundays or when they weren't using it, they would take one of those um, uh, devices that we used to put on our steering wheel so someone wouldn't steal your car, and they would put that on each of the goals so that they couldn't be used. They missed it. They didn't realize. You know, the basketball goals weren't just for them and their church and the people in their church. Those basketball goals were an opportunity. You know, church, I'm proud to tell you that we as a church have had an opportunity and we've taken the opportunity. You know, uh, we've been talking to you since November about Open Gym. In December, it was phenomenal. January and February, it was incredible. And we have uh, taken our gymnasium and we have capitalized on that. We have leveraged it so that we could reach out to our community. Yesterday alone, there was at least 1,000 people that walked in and out of our building. That is what God wants us to do. He wants us to leverage what he's given us, whether it's our abilities, whether it's our talents, whether it's our skills, whether it's our finances, whether it's our opportunities. He wants us to leverage those and reach those outside of these walls. That's why on Thursday night, um, we delivered four beds. That's why tomorrow night, we'll deliver another bed for somebody who's in need. That's why on April 10th, we're gonna build 20 more beds so that we can deliver those to those who need it, so that they can hear that Christians don't just love Jesus on Sunday morning when you're in our worship center. We love Jesus, and we want to love you like Jesus loves you. Well, what happens when we huddle and hide? That's the very opposite of what God wants. You know, he left us here for a reason. I wish... I wish that when somebody got saved, poof, you know, you would be in eternity. Well, wouldn't life be so much simpler? I think more people get saved. Like, where'd he go? But God has left us here for a reason. You know, there's only two things you can't do in heaven. Somebody say, what? What? Two things. You can't sin in heaven, and you can't tell anyone else about Jesus Christ in heaven. Be too late. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. Our job is to be a witness. And the way that we are witnesses, in the, the way that we live out our lives. But I, I want to introduce you to a, a theologian that I came across, and his name is Captain Obvious. Have y'all met Captain Obvious? I know you husbands have. Uh, she drives with you sometimes when you're going down the road. You didn't know Captain Obvious was a female, did you? Well, Captain Obvious says this, if we never connect and spend time with the people who are far from God, it's going to be impossible to introduce them to Jesus. That's our job, is to help people who are far from God find out what Jesus is like. You know, there's a a guy that uh, is talked about, uh, a missionary, his name was C.T. Studd. He was famous because he was a world-famous cricket player. Now, how many people know what cricket is? It's not a phone. (laughs) All right, that's half of you. Um, It's a game. And and he was a professional athlete as a cricket player, but he felt the call of God on his life. And he, he made this statement that he would rather run a mission a yard from the gates of hell while Christians are content to live within the sound of the chapel bells. That's really what a follower of Christ should be thinking about is how do we get out there? I mean, we come back in here and get re energized. We come in here and we get charged up. And then we go out there and we live out what God has put on our hearts. Well, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. And I'm going to read verses one through eight. And it says Matthew chapter nine. If you don't have a copy of God's word, I want you to know something. In front of you, on just about every chair, there is a Bible there. And if you open that Bible up and you look on the inside flap, it says if you don't own a copy of God's Word, that we want you to take this. I even put my name on there so that if anyone sees you like, hey, Pastor Ronnie said this is mine. We believe that everybody should have a copy of God's Word. And if you grab one of those Bibles, I'm going to make it easy for you. You just go to page 999. I mean, a page. So, let me read to you verses 1 through 8 in Matthew chapter 9. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, what do you think? Or why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you, or for which is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And folks, I'm here to tell you that he has the authority to forgive your sins not just this, the guy in this story, your sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. It's a powerful story. But that's not really the one I want you to, hear about today. The one I want you to hear about comes next in verse 9. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Now, what had just happened? He had just healed this paralyzed man. And now, uh, one of the things that, that you need to understand is, like, everybody knew this guy. Everywhere he went, he had to be carried. And usually what they would do is carry him to the center of the town and and leave him there, and then people would come and donate money to him because he couldn't work, had no way of supporting himself, probably didn't have family. or family had shunned him. And so Jesus saw this, and he saw their faith. I I want you to take that home with you because some of you, it's your faith that's going to see somebody else get saved. It's your faith that's going to see somebody else get delivered. It's your faith because a lot of the people that you're come in contact with, they've lost faith. They've lost hope. They've given up. And they need somebody believing for them. Will you be that somebody? I continue to read here in verse 9, and Matthew sitting at the booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. But see, there's a problem here. Maybe you didn't see that when I was reading that. It said that he was a tax collector. Now, last week, I introduced you to a prayer, and in that, there was two men who prayed, and one was a tax collector, and one was a Pharisee, a righteous person, a churchgoer. And that churchgoer prayed some incredibly evil words. And he says, I'm glad I'm not like him. And yet when the tax collector prayed, he prayed, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm not worthy. You know, those are the prayers that we need to be praying. Those are the prayers that are heard. Those are the prayers that make a difference. If you're in Matthew chapter nine, if you turn to, or look at verse 10, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, um, here's what I find interesting is that you will find out how well of a friend you are based on do you share meals with somebody. It reminds me uh, of, was in the military, stationed down at Keesler Air Force Base, and I had this young NCO, and she was incredible. My, I used to tell people, if I had 100 of her, I could we could defeat the, any World Army. She was that good. And one day, she comes into my office, and she says, Sergeant Tabor, I don't understand it. And she literally breaks down into tears, and I was like, tell me, what's going on? And she goes, you know, um, when anybody else takes leave, I help and I do the work for them while they're gone. But I've been gone for two weeks and I'm just getting back and all my work is piled up. And she says, I don't understand it because I've never left anybody else like that. And I just looked across the table at her and I said, well, I said, would you go to lunch or dinner with any of the people that you're working with? And she's like, no. (laughs) I said, that's why they're not covering for you. See, you don't have to cover for them, but you have a different level of character. And they don't have to cover for you. And because you don't have a relationship with them, they don't. You know, um, the same is true here. There are people that you want to see come to church, but you won't have dinner with them. There are people that you want to see get saved, and yet you won't Bring them over to your house for lunch. There are people that you'd be willing to die for, but yet you wouldn't share a meal with. You see, when you, when you share a meal with people, it means something. They mean something. One of my favorite memories was growing up on Sunday afternoons All of us going out as a family. My family was big. I had a brother and a sister and a mom and a dad, and they adopted everybody. And so when we would go out on Sunday afternoon, there would be 20 or 30 people eating with us. And on Sunday nights after church, there would be 50 to 75 people at my parents' house. I don't know if you caught it here in the verse, but it said uh, that Jesus reclined at the table. And I find this interesting because um, it says, Jesus said, follow me. And then the next verse, he's reclining at the table. I think Jesus was that kind of guy. I think I want to be that kind of guy. So um, there's a lot of you that like, I just look for a reason to, to go out to eat with you. I mean, I just, you know, hey, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, let's uh, eat uh, in between breakfast and lunch meal. It's one o'clock. Hey, you know what? Let's do a snack after lunch. I mean, I love going out to eat with you all. But have you ever laid down while you were eating? Not after Thanksgiving. (laughs) When you got rolled to wherever you needed to park for a couple of hours. I'm talking about they reclined at the table. Now, this seems kind of weird in our Western culture, but let me show you this picture because this picture kind of shares with you uh, something that Carrie and I experienced. I had the privilege to help uh, my interpreter from Afghanistan bring his entire family to the United States. Right now, his oldest daughter is attending Rutgers, uh, going to be a physician. And so here we are in Newark, New Jersey, and that is where they had dinner every day night. I remember the first night I picked them up. It was up in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, They had just been in the States maybe four or five days. And I sit down at the table because the apartment that they had been provided had a table, and the kids were walking all over the table. And I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, we don't do this in America, but they didn't listen to me. And, (laughs) And so here a couple years later, we are in New Jersey, and we're having dinner with them. And all one of my favorite meals for her to make was it's called palau. And it's, it's that big stack in the middle. It's rice and it's got raisins and carrots and chicken. Oh, it's beautiful. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> and there's Carrie and I sitting in traditional Afghan garb. Those are called man jammies, by the way. I mean, that's kind of some comfortable stuff. You gotta wear that all day long. And yet there we are sitting on the floor eating our food. And I know why they recline because um, I'm not used to sitting on the floor and eating. And so as soon as I can, I grab a pillow and lean over on it. You see, this is what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was sitting at a table just like that on the floor. And he was reclining. And there were a bunch of tax collectors sitting there reclining with him. Matter of fact, the Bible says, and there were many tax collectors and sinners. If you look in verse 13, he has a conversation. So when the Pharisees saw this, they, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. You see, what happened was, I introduced you to a term last week called gracism, or gracists. And and in this case, these uh, religious people, they were Jewish gracists because they didn't like the fact that Jesus, who knew their law, who spoke words powerfully, who healed people, they didn't like the fact that he was having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. They thought there's something wrong with him because he was experiencing this meal. And yet what he said to them was, this is why I came. This is why I left heaven. So that they, the ones who need the physician, could experience the physician. You see, as a gracist, we believe that we deserve heaven, we deserve to be a Christian, we deserve to go to heaven, and other people don't. And and we've got levels of sin that we apply to it. Like, I mean, there's a sin in your mind probably that you're like, you know what, I can accept anything, but we gotta be careful because God never said that. He never said, you know, I draw the line. The only thing that he said was that if you don't accept my gift, you'll spend eternity in hell. But what happens is just like these Pharisees, we see barriers pop up. And when these barriers pop up, it makes it tough for us. You know, everyone looks down on somebody about something. I mean, if you feel really having a bad day, you go to Walmart, right? You just look around. Mm-hmm. Life ain't so bad. Uh, I could put on real clothes when I came out shopping. <laughs> Maybe it's not Walmart for you. That's that's where I go. I don't even have to go in the store. I just park in the parking lot and walk. <laughs> um, there, but for the grace of God, there go I. A couple years ago, I... Was introduced to a thing called the power thoughts and its its scripture, um, and the and the premise behind this was that you take this this piece of scripture and like you just embed it into your life, you immerse yourself in it, and and so what I uh, my power thought for this uh, week was God loves me unconditionally. Do you know that God loves you unconditionally, and so every time I could think. I reminded myself that God loves me unconditionally. And I got to tell you, it was amazing because about three days into this where I must have said to myself a thousand times and reminded myself that God loves me unconditionally. Something happened because not only was I thinking that God loves me unconditionally, but I started putting two and two together and I said, well, if God loves me unconditionally, then I should love others unconditionally. And this metamorphosis happened in my heart. And then God put uh, one of our, uh, my brother-in-law on, on my heart. And, and so I literally prayed. I said, God, if you, if you want me to reach out to Eric, um, have him call me. Later that day, I got a call from Eric. said, hey, will you take me to church on Sunday? Woo-hoo! Boy, some of you all around me, you know, when I, when I get asked questions, sometimes I say yes before you stop talking. This was one of those times. I like had yes out like nine times. Yes, 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 yes. Hold on what time I'd be there. Sunday morning, my son and I drove over there. My son jumped into the back seat and Eric come out and Eric literally opened the door and he fell, stumbled into my car. And I could smell that Eric had had a good night. Matter of fact, I was pretty sure he'd had a pretty good morning. And yet, you know, I picked him up to take him to church. And so I'm driving to church now, and I look in the rearview mirror, and there's my son. His eyes are like this. (laughs) He's like, what are you going to do, Dad? This is going to be entertaining. (laughs) So we got to church, and the church was a rather large church. And it was kind of right as the service is beginning. And we had to park out at the far end of the parking lot. Literally, it's about a quarter of a mile to get to the church. And so as he gets out of the car, he can barely stay standing. And so he's hanging on to my shoulder. And as we're walking, I'm smelling alcohol the whole time. And I'm starting to doubt my decision. I'm starting to wonder, does God love everybody unconditionally? But I knew he did. And, and we got to about 100 yards from the, the front door. And I said, I said, Eric, we don't have to do this. And Eric... He grabbed me by my shoulders. He's a big boy. Grabbed me by my shoulders, and he looked me. He goes, Ronnie, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't have called you. All right, Holy Spirit. So we got into the building. Praise God, on the last row, there was an open row. Well, I take that back. There was a couple people sitting on it, but when we got inside it, it was an open row. I don't know where they went. We sat down. And I remember uh, one of the uh, associate pastors got up and read scripture and he read from like the NIV. And Eric said, that's not the Bible. And he didn't have an inside voice. The guy up there speaking could hear him and everybody around us. I'm getting embarrassed, folks. And I'm thinking, man, how can I get out of here? Because I'm sitting where we normally would sit. Everybody knows me. And yet it was through that, over the next couple of weeks, I got to watch him restore his relationship with his father. (laughs) Through that, through me being embarrassed and not giving in to that, but believing that God loves me unconditionally and God loved Eric unconditionally. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you unconditionally and God loves that person that offends you unconditionally. Remember last week I told you we have one job. What's that one job? Be Be a witness. Remember I talked about that, be a witness? And we need to be a witness to people, not just witness to people. Our lives need to be a witness to people. And we're going to be a witness to people who don't look like us. We're going to be a witness to people who don't talk like us, I hope. We need to be a, people, be a witness to people who don't smell like us. See, that's what Christ did. That's how Christ found himself at a party with Matthew amongst tax collectors and sinners because he was willing to be a witness to the people who needed a witness. And that's what we need to do. Matthew 9, verse 12. But when he heard it, he said these words. Who needs the physician? Those who are sick, not the healthy. And church, we need to remember that. That's why God hasn't taken us to heaven yet. He needs us to be a witness. Because if we're not, they may never ever hear or see an example of Jesus Christ. And then he told them in verse 11, he says, go and learn what this means. He said, but I love mercy rather than sacrifice. You know, when we come here on Sundays, sacrifice is easy for us. Confessing our sins is easy for us. Do you know why they sacrificed in the Old Testament? Every sacrifice was related to a sin. Every sacrifice was related to a shortcoming. But yet Jesus said to the people who were best known for being the best sacrificers that I desire mercy more than sacrifice. You know, the Bible tells us in Lamentations 3.22 that his mercies are new every morning. Oh, isn't that good? And and if his mercies are new every morning to you, guess what? His mercies are new every morning to you. Fill in the blank. You know who you're, uh, you're thinking about. Last week I gave you a word, and that was pray, and gave you an ex- example of that with the the Pharisee and the Tax collector. This week, the word and the action word is to connect. And so our responsibility to be a witness is to connect with other people. Because if, if we don't connect with them, we're going to miss out, just like Captain Avias said. they'll Those that are far from God will never, ever experience Jesus up close and personal. Because we are the mirror. We are the image of Christ. Sometimes we just don't look like it. So how do we connect with people? Well, it's simply this. You live in grace and you walk in love. You live in grace. See, a lot of us struggle with giving grace to other people because we've never, ever truly understood the grace that was given to us. Because once you get it, once you realize what a scoundrel you were, once you realize that you deserved to spend eternity in hell to pay for your sins, your shortcomings, once you realize that and that you're not going there, it's a whole lot easier to sit beside somebody else. To be less judgmental when I'm sitting in the Walmart parking lot. (laughs) You see, if you want to connect with people, you need to make your life about people, about relationships, and you'll never, ever regret that. Boy, if you could give up trying to climb that corporate ladder and start thinking about the people that are close to you and just be uh, the image of Christ to them, you'll be, you'll be surprised how far up that corporate ladder you end up getting. Now, I, I, I'll be honest with you, it's going to cost you too. Because there will be times where because you're a Christian, because you have a witness, people will hold you back or set you aside. But, it, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. We saw that in the life of Daniel. We saw that in the life of Joseph. And I believe you'll see that in your life if you'll be faithful. And let me just share this with you, that in God's economy, he doesn't measure time, he measures opportunities. And how many opportunities have we missed? You know, we only have one job and that's to be a witness. And how many times have we missed out on being a witness? Probably too many. If you uh, have a little stack of the, the hot sheet collection, um, I want you to dig through there, and, and I want you to find this one, and it says, who's in your hood? Uh, another pastor, he calls this the sheet of shame. Because many people struggle with putting names on who the people that live beside them are. Carrie and I are blessed um, we have phenomenal neighbors on both sides of us. But I, I, you know what? When I look at this, and I, so I can put a name on each side of the house, but the ones behind us and the ones in front to the side, you know what? I, I don't know their names. Matter of fact, if I saw them at Walmart, I might not recognize them as a neighbor. And I wonder... Am I the only person here today that would struggle filling this out? I don't know who your Fred and Mary is or who your John and Jennifer are, but you've got people who live beside you and you walk by them every day. And, And they don't know that you're a follower of Christ. It's hard to be a witness if they don't know that. You know, one of the toughest things in the military for me was, as a follower of Christ, I didn't get invited to the parties. When they went out Friday night and planned on uh, burning the town down, Sergeant Tabor didn't get the call. But you know what? When their mom got cancer or their dad passed away unexpectedly, you know who they called? Yeah. I'm okay with that. But you've got to let them know that you're a follower of Christ. Because they're probably seeking a follower of Christ. And when they find out that you are, they'll probably come up to you and ask questions. See, God doesn't measure it in time. He measures it in opportunities. He measures it in surprises. Now, let me share with you one last passage in Luke. Luke chapter 14, if you have uh, one of these Bibles, it's page 1,072. Luke chapter 14. It's called the parable of the great banquet. And verse 15, it says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him, I said, what was it about, man, that everywhere they went, they reclined at the table. Oh, it is until you got to get up. I got to admit, it was fun. It was time to get up. And then you're like, help me up. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now this, who's talking? It's probably a sinner. It's probably a tax collector. This is probably a not yet follower of Christ. But you know what? They see what's going on in your lives. They're, they're watching you. I, I heard this testimony uh, from uh, one of our church members this week and how that, there was a mom who had lost their daughter and they were amazed at how they had had just maintained and how they were able to go on and how they were able to keep their faith. They're like, I want to be like that if something like that would happen to me, but I don't know for sure. You know, people are watching us. See, just like Matthew, the tax collector, was watching Jesus heal that paralyzed young man. That's why when Jesus said, follow me, he followed not because he was from that town, not because of what he looked like, not because he just got off a boat, because he saw him heal a paralyzed man that he had seen a hundred, if not a thousand times laying not far from his tax collector booth. And when your neighbors see you have a relationship with the creator of the universe, and they see that God is real in your life, When you say, hey, come to church with me, they'll come. Let me read some more. Verse 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And here's what you're going to find out. That when you go to your cool friends, when you go to your friends who um, have it made, it seems like, and you invite them to church, they're going to have excuses. Ah, Taking the boat out this weekend. Eh, going hunting. Eh, just got married. I got a new car. They'll have excuses. And here's what God says to do when you run into those people that give you excuses. Verse 17. And at the time for the banquet, he sent a servant and to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all made those excuses. The first said, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, a car, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Okay. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done in their still room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Folks, when you invite somebody and they give you excuses, there's, a, there's people out there that don't look like you, they don't dress like you, they don't talk like you, they don't smell like you, but I'll bet if you invite them, they'll come. Because they probably don't have anything else. I'm here to tell you that if you're here today, it's a divine appointment for you. This is not an accident, the message that I'm speaking. It's not an accident that you're sitting where you're sitting. It's not an accident that you're watching right now. You see, our job is to be a witness, our job is to invite, not to be the judge and jury not to be the defense attorney, not to be the prosecuting attorney. All we have to do is be a witness to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But to do that, we got to speak up. So our calling with Life on Mission is this, that we want to be God's people finding God's heart for the world. Here at Crossroads, we want to be God's people finding God's heart for the greater Centralia area. And and a question I would ask you is this, who do you need to connect with? Who has the Lord put on your heart about inviting to church, about inviting to life group with you? And you're talking yourself out of it. Look, they'll probably have an excuse. It's okay. But you've got to be the witness. You've got to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. This example of the tax collector is an extreme example. You're probably not digging the dredges of society, and that's what they thought of tax collectors, because the tax collectors had sold out the Jewish community. They had sided with the Romans, and they were extorting their own people for gain. You're reaching out to your friends. You're reaching out to your loved ones, your relatives. And there's no better time, if you look in your stack of stuff, there's these invite cards for Easter, Surprise, Easter is in four weeks. April 4th, Easter Sunday, one of the most well-attended Sundays. This worship center will be filled on April 4th. The question is, will you have brought anybody? Will you have connected with somebody and invited them, and they came, and they hear the gospel? That's what a witness does. And so who's in your hood? Who are you going to reach out to? You'll hear me, and you'll probably see this a lot on social media over the next couple of weeks, but you need to be inviting Fran. Who's Fran? Fran is your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. That's who you need to invite. Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. This is an easy group. These are people that you already know. These are people who you may already have a connection with. These are people, if you don't, you need to reconnect. These are people who probably look up to you. These are people who probably think you got it all under control. They probably see you, you're calm, cool, and collected. They probably see you, and when life throws uh, things at you, when the wheels of life come off, you somehow recover. And they wish that they had what you have, but yet there's no connection. You haven't had lunch with them. You haven't had dinner You haven't exchanged pleasantries on social media with them. And they're looking. And you don't even realize this, but they're looking at you. They see you get in your car every Sunday morning and go to church. They see you carrying your Bible. They see what you post on social media. And the question is, will you reach your friend? Will you invite your friend? Worship team, if you'll come up. and We sang a beautiful song earlier. And the song said nothing else. And the question I have for each of us here today is, what is it that we're putting between us? What is the barrier that we're keeping others from coming to see and hear about Christ? Is it sin in our life? Is it a bad behavior? Is it a bad habit? Is it something that we probably won't give up? Is it fear? Afraid of being told no if you invite somebody. Now's the time. In four weeks, because here's what's going to happen. In five weeks, there are going to be a lot of people sitting around Centralia wondering why someone didn't invite them to the Super Bowl of Sundays. You invite people to your Super Bowl party. I I, I challenge you, church. You got to make a connection, though. Because maybe we do this and, and we start inviting people that we've had no connection with for nine months. Matter of fact, the last time we talked to them, we invited them to Easter service last year. Or in this case, two years ago. Here's the question that we all have to ask ourselves. What barriers are we putting up between us and those that God wants us to connect with? Every one of your barriers probably look a little bit different, sound a little bit different. And, and, and when you talk to yourself about it, it sounds reasonable. It sounds like it makes sense. Matter of fact, if you talk to your best friends, they'll agree with you. Yeah, you know what? You got a good point there. But I'll bet when you talk to God, he probably sounds like this colonel that I know. And one day we were, or we were about to encounter a massive inspection. And he called us all. There's a thousand of us in the room. He says, I want you guys to know something. There's, he said, there's a thousand reasons why you can't get done what needs to be done before this inspection. And then he followed up with, but not one of them is good enough. And I'm here to tell you that there's a 1,000 reasons why you shouldn't invite, why you shouldn't connect. There's a 1,000 barriers that you'll put up or that you'll find. And I'm here to tell you that not one of those barriers is good enough. I get it. So maybe you haven't been living the life that you're supposed to live, and they've seen it. That's where they need to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They need to hear from you. You say, you know what? Man, I've, I've been going to church, and, but I haven't been living like a Christ follower. Boy, if they hear those words, that's probably the kind of Christ follower they're looking for. One who admits they've got stuff wrong in their life. Because the reality is we all do, don't we? Will you stand to your feet? Do you want to be caught up in the presence of God? Do you want to respond to the Holy Spirit? If your heart's saying yes, now is the time to do that. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.